0: Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken.
1: Good morning. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. You may hear us on Sundays on KWXX and on B97, B93, and the following Friday on KPUA, 670 AM in Hilo. And of course, I always invite you to listen to the podcast to hear what you have maybe missed. Last week, it was all about Ironman with their race director, Diana Birch. And although that's over now, you may still enjoy listening, as well as an interview I did with Hawaii Supreme Court Chief Justice Mark Rechtenwald, when the new Kona Courthouse opened. And you may hear those at b97hawaii.com or kwxx.com. But for today, we're going to talk about invasive species. And when I went in to plan this interview, I thought we would talk about many invasive species. But as it turns out, one of the very worst things we have on this island is little fire ants. And the two experts with whom I was speaking, that's what they thought we should talk about. So at a later time, we'll get other invasive species. But today, it's all about little fire ants. And we recorded this interview at the Hawaii Ant Lab in Hilo. Let's get to it. Franny Brewer is with the Big Island Invasive Species Committee. Aloha, Franny. Aloha, Sherry. Thanks for having me. What is the Big Island Invasive
2: Species Committee? The Big Island Invasive Species Committee is a grant funded program of the University of Hawaii, so we fill in a lot of gaps, I would say, in invasive species work uh, that are not already taken care of by another agency.
1: We're also joined by Cass Vanderwood of the Hawaii Ant Lab, which is here in Hilo. It's part of the University of Hawaii. Good morning. Aloha, Cass.
3: Hi, how are you?
1: Now Cass, what exactly is the Ant Lab?
3: The Hawaii Ant Lab is a lab of a very small team of people and our job is to address all of the invasive ant issues that we have here in Hawaii, statewide, and we do spend most of our time with the little fire ant because it's the most problematic at the moment.
1: Okay, what is the difference between the little fire ant and let me just say the regular fire ant or any other ant?
3: Oh yes, the, the slightly larger fire ant. Fire ants are a common name that people give to ants. Like all other common names it normally relates to some characteristic of the organism. And a lot of ants that sting end up being called fire ants if they have a particularly fiery kind of sting. So the red ants we've had here in Hawaii since since possibly Spanish times is not the same genus, it's not the same species, has a very different biology. And little fire ants much much smaller. Their stings also are quite fiery. It's a burning sensation when you're stung.
1: The Hawaii Ant Lab focus is on little fire ants right now. So tell us more about the fire ants. How we know if we have them? What we should do if we have them? Help us understand the little fire ants and why there's so much focus on them.
3: Okay. Well, if you live in East Hawaii, you probably have fire ants on your property. And if not on your neighbour's property. about I would say about half of the households on the east side of Hawaii, lower than 3,000 feet, are infested or will be infested very shortly. And on the west side, it's a lot different. There are small infestations scattered along the west coast. The climate there isn't quite as favourable for little fire ants. Plus, it's taken them a long time to get from Hilo to Kona. I guess it's a long way to walk. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, but uh, it has. it did take them more than 10 years to get to the Kona side, so what Kona is experiencing now is roughly what Hilo was experiencing about 10 years ago, which is roughly when I started.
1: Where did these little fire ants come from, do you think?
3: Well, the species originated in South America about 100 years ago. It was used in some places as a biological control by non-scientists in plantations. That caused this particular species to be spread to places like Cuba and West Africa and Dominican Republic and some of the Caribbean islands. Our fire ants were a gift to us from Florida. They had fire ants there since the 1920s. Somehow some of them became tangled up in some potter plants that were exported here we know from doing some DNA comparisons that our fire ants are descendants from the ones that live in Florida now and they are originally from I think the Dominican Republic and they would be originally from South America so they're all fairly well traveled as a species.
1: What makes little fire ants so bad?
3: There's a couple of things. Uh, One is they sting people which is good for me because it means it's easier for me to get grants I'm just trying to be funny now, but seriously, the two things that make them very difficult, uh, one is just the sheer numbers that we can get. In a completely infested place, area, there can be as many as 80 million of these things in a single acre of land, and you can reduce that to a square yard. You're still looking at thousands and thousands of individual ants for every square yard. So there's a lot of them, and that makes them very difficult to try to control. And probably the most important thing is that Different from other pest ants, these guys like to live up in trees as well as living on the ground. But although they like to live up in trees, they're not very good at staying there. They tend to fall out, any sort of breeze. When they fall out, they fall out on people and animals, and out of fright mostly, they will sting the animals that they land on. So the the people that are being stung by fire ants are inevitably being stung by those ones falling out of trees. And they are the ones that we have most difficulty trying to kill. They're the hardest ones for us to get to
1: how do we know if we have little fire ants on our property?
3: Well, it's funny. When they first arrive, you won't know that there are little fire ants on your property because they're they're sneaky bastards. They will live in places where you can't find them or see them. And it's not until they build up a big enough colony size that they'll start to expand very quickly. And at that point, the sort of things you will notice, there are three things. One is you or your family might get stung or get strange rashes when working in the garden. Quite often these ants will sting you and will have left before the pain of that sting becomes apparent. So what can happen is you could be stung by these ants, you look where you were stung and there's nothing there, and you think maybe I've brushed up against some poison ivy or you know something else. It can take a while to work that out. So that's one thing. The second thing is it's possible that your pet's eyes start to look strange they can develop a cloudy appearance or have little spots and that's a sure sign that something's going on because it is something that little fire ants do and the third thing is that if you're growing food plants especially food plants that are susceptible to some plant pests you might find that the number of plant pests that you have in your garden starts to increase aphids and mealybugs and those sort of things because the little fire ants farm them and use them to produce the carbohydrates they need to feed this huge colony. And so they're the three things I think that people notice first. And then people start getting stung in their homes and eventually they put two and two together and realize it's these tiny, tiny little ants.
1: Okay, so that leads to two questions. One, you mentioned the pets and the eyes. Do they blind the pets?
3: I don't think they're completely blinded but what happens is that either the sting or the venom gets onto the surface of the cornea or it's injected between the layers of the cornea where it either reacts because it's a very alkaline venom or it's a carrier for mycobacteria kind of weird fungi bacteria type things which can then grow inside the corneas and spread As entomologists we see that a lot with microscopes actually, we get little bits of mould in between the glasses, the layers of glass in a microscope and it kind of does the same thing. Complete blindness probably no, but certainly partial blindness and what we see quite often is that uh, most cat owners have more than one cat and quite often I've gone to a place and they've said well that's the inside cat, she's fine, he's the outside cat, he can't see anymore, so it's the outside cat that just by wandering around doing their regular thing. Occasionally a fire ant lands on them and uh, ends up around the animal's eye where it will sting mostly out of fright.
1: Have you heard of people getting stung by fire ants in the eyes and having the same problem?
3: I've heard of people getting stung by fire ants in the eyes and apparently it's, it's quite painful, but I haven't seen a case where that keratopathy, those cloudy spots, have appeared. I think we we react a bit more quickly and we have this great opposable thumb that lets us pick things out of our eyes. And dogs and cats don't don't have that. In fact a cat would probably would have to scratch its own eyes out to get to the thing. But we have the ability to pull things out of our eyes if we need to.
2: Franny, you want to add something. We had spoken to some animal groomers and found that they said that often what will happen is people will come in with the animal having the cloudy eyes and say, I don't know what's going on with my dog's eyes. I don't know what's happening. And the groomer will say, do you have fire ants? No, no, we don't have fire ants. We don't have fire ants. I think you should go home and check And as soon as the pet owner goes home and checks around the doghouse, checks around the the mat outside where the dog lays, oh, my goodness, fire ants. So a lot of times the people don't even know what's going on. And the groomer told me she'll part the hair on the dog's coat and there are bites, stings from the ants on the skin. So it's something where people are not even aware that the fire ants are on their property and their animals are being stung.
1: So how do I actually test and see if I have fire ants on my property? What do I do? Franny?
2: You must use a peanut butter stick test. There's other things you can use. Spam works if you're allergic to nuts or you don't have any peanut butter laying around. They're attracted to protein, so you want to give them a really attractive source, something that they want to come to. But people will tell us they rely, oh, I look for them, I look for them. These are very, very tiny ants, and you're not going to see them. So it's important that you use some kind of bait. We recommend using chopsticks or coffee stirrers or something very... Simple and cheap. Put a little bit of peanut butter on the edge. And you go to where the ants might be. They want a cool, shady spot. Kind of like people. They don't really want to be in direct sun. So rock walls, vegetation. Remembering that these are not ground nesting ants. They want to be kind of tucked away somewhere. So looking up in the trees. Putting your, your little peanut butter stick up on the crook of a tree. Really looking for those places where ants might be foraging. And you leave that about a half hour to an hour. Come back, and if you have ants, you toss them into a bag and freeze them, and then you bring them in for identification.
1: What you're saying, though, is if I do the peanut butter thing, that there will be enough ants that I will see them. They're not too small to see once they're amassed. It depends on how good your eyesight is.
2: <laughs> so uh, I would say that the best bet you could do is if you throw that peanut butter in a bag and you think there's anything on there that could be an ant, bring it in to us. We do identification for free. Ant Lab, We do ant, ant identification for free. It won't cost you anything but a little bit of time. But freeze those ants and bring them in, and we'll let you know.
1: Where exactly do we bring those to be tested? In Hilo, you can bring them to our office at
2: 23 East Kivili Street, or you can also bring them, Hawaii Ant Lab has locations on both the east and west sides where you can bring them. And those locations are where, Cass?
3: And also on Oahu. We have a a person at the Sea Extension Center on the old Lower Highway.
1: And that would be right across from the Aloha Theatre, am I
3: right? Exactly, yes, right across from the Aloha Theatre. And I can give you Kiyoshi's number for the people that live on the west side. It's 209-9014, 209-9014. And Kiyoshi will be able to help you with anything. He's very good, he's knowledgeable. We put him there thanks to Senator Lowen who found some funds for us to fill this quite desperate need, we were able to put somebody luckily in that position and that's where most of our new, if you to call them customers, but new people come from because it's still an unusual thing to have on the Kona side.
1: And then Hilo, if they wanted to bring them directly to the ant lab, what's your address here?
3: Our address here is 16 East Lunnicola Street in the Department of Agriculture building. Just drop in here and during normal business hours. There'll be somebody here that can take care of your sample and give you some information as to how to deal with it.
1: Okay, well that leads us to how do we deal with them. And I'd like to start with how do we prevent the spread of these little fire ants?
3: Preventing their spread is really about being careful about moving things that they might be tangled up in. These guys are known as hitchhikers. They'll hitch a ride on whatever's convenient. Potter plants, foliage, orchids, produce would be the most convenient things for them. Potter plants, they just love because it gives them everything that they need. They are pretty lazy. They don't build elaborate galleries or structures or houses. They kind of just live wherever they can find a little poker or a gap that seems to be okay. And then if, if that deteriorates, they just move into the next little poker. They're not particularly, they're not homebodies. They're not house-proud at all. Uh, so potter plants, anything that's been in contact with the ground, check it carefully before you move it. And if in doubt, there are ways of treating some of those things that we can help with.
1: And we're going to take a short break. I'd like to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Sundays on KWXX and B97 B93 here on the Big Island of Hawaii and available anytime as a podcast at KWXX.com and B97Hawaii.com and that includes bonus podcasts that aren't broadcast on the radio, so do check that out. Today we're talking little fire ants with Franny Brewer of the Big Island Invasive Species Committee and Cass Vanderwood of Hilo's Ant Lab, which also now has an adjunct location on the west side of the island at College of Tropical Agricultural Extension Office in Kailua. Next week we're talking to some of the folks from the county about their shocking announcement that our county is effectively doing away with recycling. Yes, they will still recycle cardboard, brown paper bags, glass, but not much else. That's a scary thing for those of us who feel like we're trying to do something to keep our island sustainable. That's next week with Bill Kucharski, head of Department of Environmental Management, and Greg Goodale, his Solid Waste Division Chief. Before we go back to my next question for Cass Vanderwood, a word from our great sponsor, KTA Superstores.
0: At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised with without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local, so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA.
1: I've also heard that they travel in building materials and wood and thatching that's used in roofs, things like that. Is that true?
3: Yes, thatching, I haven't. I had experience with thatching here in Hawaii, but in Vanuatu, where I visited just recently, quite a lot of the housing is still very traditional, so you've got these Moratah thatched roofs. Apparently, a little fire ants just love to live in that. They will live quite happily in these thatched roofs. You know, with the regular rainfall, there's always a place that's just warm and moist enough, and again, they can't hold on very well. They fall down, and they fall down on people inside the house, so it's a terrible existence.
2: Franny, you want to add something? Yeah, we really encourage people because we have seen this movement in things like equipment and fill, road fill. We've seen it in tiling for roofs, building kits that are coming from different places. We really encourage people, before they're making large purchases, things that they're going to have delivered, especially if it's from somewhere that's a very high-known infestation, like Hilo or Puna, that they talk to the business that they're dealing with, and they say what are you doing to prevent fire ants what are your techniques that you use to prevent fire ants because there really needs to be this push from the consumer from the public to encourage businesses you know a lot of them are good actors and some maybe aren't or some are slipping you know but it really needs to come from the consumer that this is an expectation we expect that if you bring anything onto our property that it's going to be clean that you will have done every possible thing to prevent fire ants or any other invasive species from being brought onto our property. So we do think that this is something that people can do before they place an order for a load of gravel or before they place an order for some construction materials to be delivered. It'd be something that would help the community as a whole as well.
1: So then we get into the key question, if one has fire ants what do you do?
3: Well there are solutions for every problem and everybody has a different problem so there are a lot of different solutions. On our website we have guides that you can download and they're fairly detailed about what to do and how to do it, what to buy and when to buy it. And once a month we run an ant management class here as well. It's limited to 20 people. The last Friday of each month we are able to take in 20 people and give them a fairly intensive How to Kill Ants course. What's important though is to work out what people expect from it. I mean, going overboard is not really giving some people the benefit they want. So we try to work out how to manage this problem for each individual person and remain aware of how fragile we are we're living on an island there's nowhere where we can throw out there's not a a trash can that's not on our island everything that we use stays here and some pesticides do have a long half-life and the distance between us and our groundwater is pretty short in terms of time so we are concerned that if everybody's using or misusing pesticides that we're going to increase those levels of pesticides and other chemicals in our environment. So we have to be careful about that. And the more people know, the less pesticides they use. Because most people, if they're unsure about how to do something, the tendency is let's use a bit more to be on the safe side. And the more people know, the less they can use and still get a good result. So that's a thing that we kind of work on as part of our lessons.
1: So Franny, what do you want to add about how to get rid of fire ants? What we really stress is
2: timing. One of the things I think that is really common is that people, when they have fire ants, they'll treat or pay someone to treat, and then they'll wait until they start getting stung again. And that's not really solving your problem. That's just sort of putting a little band-aid on it and hoping it goes away. The Hawaii Ant Lab has done some great research on this. CTAR's has done some great research on this. There is a timing window every four to six weeks you apply treatment and you can get rid of the fire ants on your property and move into a what we call monitoring phase where you're really just looking for new infestations coming onto your property or you're preventing them from coming on from a property next door but you you start to use a lot less pesticides after a year of doing that intensive four to six week treatment you like Cass was saying we don't want to overuse pesticides in the environment and we don't want to use the wrong pesticides in the environment so by getting onto a program where you're sticking with that recommended schedule, you can reduce that input of pesticides into the environment and also really make your own life a lot easier.
1: Cass, you mentioned that they are more prevalent in Hilo, and you mentioned 3,000-foot level. Do they not go above the 3,000-foot level?
3: I'm sure they will, but it will be getting a bit cooler up there, and I expect that they won't be as, as dense I don't think anywhere within 100 yards of a house or another structure would be safe from little fire ants, regardless of what altitude. But certainly in, say, native forests that are away from that, that are in the mid-elevations and high elevations, they're not, probably not going to do that well. They're not going to do as well as they do down here, where they're absolutely everywhere. So the higher elevation areas, we won't have that as much of a problem.
2: We have had multiple detections and infestations in volcano. And those have, you know, as far as we know, they've been taken care of. But I don't want people to think, as Cass said, there's no reason to think that anywhere that there are people, that there won't be fire ants. Fire ants are very likely to be able to live, maybe not at the highest densities, but to be able to live anywhere on this island that we have residential areas. So every homeowner, every resident of Hawaii Island should be looking for fire ants.
1: Well, it sounds to me from what you've said that they spread fast. So if I am testing one area of my yard, should I be testing multiple areas of my yard? I would recommend,
2: especially the first time that you're looking for them, that you do a very thorough survey. And again, really looking for those places. They like vegetation. They like rock walls. They, they like those cool kind of moist places that are in the shade. That's where you're likely to find them, especially if it's early in the infestation, that's going to be your most likely areas. I think it's really worth going to all of those locations in your yard that you think, hey, that could be a good fire ant home, a little fire ant condo. You know, they like to move into the little pukas, as Cass said. So looking in those areas where you have those pukas, it's a great thing to do. We recommend on the big island, we say four times a year, the solstice and the equinox, so when somebody says, hey, you know, today is the solstice, you think, oh, that's what I've got to do this weekend. I've got to go home and check for fire ants. So that's the recommendation on the big island. And on other islands, a minimum of once a year.
1: Cass, if I am treating for little fire ants, is it likely that the bait or gel or whatever I use will also get other things that are harmful to my environment?
3: Oh, yes, it's possible that some other ant species will be attracted to that bait, and they, they will also be affected. Every ant species on Hawaii is actually new to Hawaii, it's not native here, they all arrived after Europeans, so that doesn't matter, you're, you're taking up animals that shouldn't be there. I've noticed that in some cases we've had centipedes get affected and on other occasions maybe cockroaches. So cockroaches and centipedes and other ant species would be the three groups that could be affected.
2: One of the things that people generally are worried about when they're thinking about baiting is uh, butterflies or bees are beneficial insects. Most people don't want to use a pesticide that's going to impact our beneficial insects. And that's really the benefit of using an ant bait because you're using something, you know, bees are not attracted to peanut butter. They're not going to be landing, you know, in the areas where you've applied the peanut butter bait or amdro, which is corn grits. You're really not going to see your butterflies coming down to, to drink out of a corn grit. So you're using something that's really unlikely to impact those beneficial species. And that's one of the reasons we encourage people to use bait. A lot of people will use all-purpose pesticides to kind of cover all the vegetation in their yard, and we really dissuade that. Those pesticides should be used very judiciously in in certain areas to keep insects from coming into the house. But using an ant bait is one of the safest ways that you can get rid of your pests without impacting your good guys.
1: Cass, you mentioned that one of the things that the Hawaii Ant Lab does is research on the little fire ants. Is there anything that we should know about what you're working on or anything that's coming up that would be helpful for folks to understand?
3: Sure. Yeah, so over the past few years we've developed ways for regular people to be able to deal with this around their homes or around their farms and we're always on the lookout to expand the range of options that people have. At the moment we're focusing on mostly the organic farming industry because they're locked into a situation where they're really between a rock and a hard place. A lot of them have little fire ants and they really have no way of dealing with them that doesn't then take the organic status off their properties. So we're looking at all the possible alternative products that we could develop that would be useful. So right now Michelle Montgomery is working on a chemical called spinosad which has been used in the past. But it hasn't been that effective against ants, and she thinks that with some tweaking we can make it work. There are some new compounds, I'd see it unnamed, that we're testing, which are also organic. And we've had a look at a whole bunch of different other organic and OMRI-certified alternatives. Most of those don't seem to be very effective.
1: You said OMRI-certified? Is OMRI, something- which
3: is, there are elements that are approved for use in organic agriculture.
1: What's the website for the Hawaii Ant LabCast?
3: Our website is littlefireants.com, littlefireants.com, and it's probably the worst design website in the world. We're working on it. Entomologists are not very good website designers, uh, and we're about to revamp that. But there is a lot of information there. People just have to patiently wade through the strange logic that I've used to put it all together.
1: Franny, the Big Island Invasive Species Committee, what else would you like to add about what you can do to help people here on the island with little fire ants.
2: Well, we have a community program, so we do community outreach. We do a lot of public meetings, so if you have a homeowners association meeting or you know, we've done church groups, we've done garden clubs, we'll come out and talk about little fire ants, and we sort of tailor it depending on where we are on the island as to whether you know we're talking about what you can do to prevent and, and what you should be doing to look for them, or particularly on the east side, the request is usually how do you treat. So we'll come out and do a class on that. If you have fire ants and you have neighbors that are interested in getting together to treat for fire ants, we do have a free program, a minimum of six participating neighbors, and we will actually come out and help you through the first treatment, first application of pesticides because there can be sort of a learning curve and it is a little intimidating when you you want to mix up bait. And it's also very effective for groups of people in the same area to be working together on the same time schedule. And if your neighbors are treating at the same time you're treating, you're also increasing that buffer zone Around your house, if you can get more neighboring properties to to be treating, then you don't have to worry about the fire ants coming over from next door. So we really encourage people to work together, and we've done that about 40 communities now across the island, from North Kohala all the way down to Waikīnu in Kau. So um, and of course many communities through Pune and Hilo. But if people are interested and, and you want to organize your neighbors, uh, give us a call or check us out on the website and we'd be happy to come out and work with you. So now you need to give us your website and your phone number. Of course. The website is BISC with two eyes, B I I S C dot org. And the phone number is eight oh eight nine three 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 four
1: zero. Eight zero eight nine three 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 four 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 four
2: four 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 four
1: four 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 four
3: four 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 four
1: four 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 four
3: four 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 four
1: four 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 four
2: four 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 933 3340 Okay, anything else to add about little fire ants before we leave the topic, Cass Fenderwood? Uh, No, I think uh, I'd just like to encourage people to be aware of this as a problem, especially in West Hawaii where people might be new to this issue and certainly people in East Hawaii who are a little bit more used to it. We welcome them to just drop by the lab here and if they need any advice or help, we're there to give them everything we can. Yes, you gave us the website address, littlefireants.com, but you didn't give us a phone number. Our local phone number here, 315 Thank you so much for being with us. And, Franny Brewer, anything else you'd like to add before we say aloha? Well, this month is Stop the Ant Month. October is Stop the Ant Month throughout Hawaii, and we are trying to get every person in Hawaii to be testing for ants. So that's your responsibility now in October, and we're just asking that everyone make that commitment that even if you have no you think there's no way I have fire ants absolutely I've never been stung I've never seen them just get those peanut butter sticks it won't take much time and we'd really like to encourage people no matter what part of the island you're on if you're on the big island or any island that you're on to turn those sticks into your local invasive species committee your local Department of Agriculture office even if you don't have red ants or even if you don't have any ants at all letting us know that you did look for the ants and that there were no ants in your area that is important information. So even negative data is important. If everyone could take some time this month, October, to just take a half hour, go out there and put some peanut butter out there, check for ants, that would be really helpful for everyone here in Hawaii.
1: Frannie Brewer, thank you so much. Aloha. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much, Cass. Aloha. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. This is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. And today we talked exclusively little fire ants with Cass Vanderwood of the Hawaii Ant Lab and Franny Brewer of the Big Island Invasive Species Committee. And we'll be talking again in the future with Franny about other invasive species. Join us next time. We're going to get an update on Hawaii County's recycling plan. Until then, please, let's all live and drive with Aloha. Ahoi ho.
0: Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Available anytime at KWXX.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions and info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.